Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. I am here today not to start a war, but to prevent one. They have not moved any of their troops out. They've moved more troops in. Before any attack, we would expect to see cyber attacks, false flag activities. We will, if we must, defend every inch of NATO territory. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 1037. I'll tell you what, when you hear Austin say we must defend every inch of NATO territory, that gives me the willies. I'm just saying. I, I realize that we have an obligation to other NATO nations. We're not talking about a NATO nation here. We're talking about Ukraine. And I I don't want to sound like I'm being heartless to the people of Ukraine, but that just gives me the willies. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy, um, you you know, the debate has been pretty clear the last couple of years. And and actually prior to Austin's uh, time as Secretary of Defense, you know, he's he's straight out of a long career as a fighter, you know, Mm -hmm. as Secretary of Defense. And that's a little unusual. Um, you know, some called, said it was too soon. Um, I mean, I, I personally like a secretary of defense that, uh, yeah, military experience is great, but let, let's have some Diplomacy time. Diplomacy, too. Let's have some time that's separated between your long-term service as a military officer, and I thank him for service, but at the same time, um, the guy, all the guy knows is war pretty much his entire career because, you know, we've been in war for 20-plus years, so— he does seem to uh, understand the woke portion of the yeah <laughs> of liberalism. No, we, we, no, we, oh, we'll get back to Ukraine in a minute here. I do want to say for those of you who uh, are paying any attention to the news, or if you are really desperate for something to do during the day, and you tune into uh, the governor's press conferences, uh, citing the state's improved vaccination rate, aka after patting himself on the back. Um, and encouraging everyone to wear masks for all those many months. Governor Roy today encouraged North Carolina municipalities and school boards to end their mask mandates. Thank you, Gov. Um, Maybe he noticed he's a little late to the party. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) thank you, Gov, but uh, most of the schools uh, have uh, said uh, before you said it, no, we're going to end the mask mandate. I mean, again, the best illustration I can think of is this guy is, you know, really glibly leading the parade down the street, and he turns around and realizes, oh, I look like a fool. Nobody's following me. <laughs> so let me go find another parade to lead. Anyway, um, the, the, and I'm glad he did it. He did spend some time straining himself, patting himself and uh, others on the back for the fact that, and, and as you said before we went on the air, this is a preamble to the uh, State of the Union address, which will uh, be March the 1st. And uh, at that point, you will hear the president um, tell how wonderful he mm. solved the issues of COVID-19. M- multiple victory laps in the next oh, yeah. few weeks by the Democrats. Um, interestingly, though, the um, something else has happened today. In a vote before the governor's press conference, the House of Representatives voted 76 to 42 in favor of empowering parents to decide their children's mask policy. And as Cooper spoke earlier today, the Senate voted 28 to 17 to pass the same act. Now, I you can pretty much guarantee that he's going to veto it. Cooper will. 
Uh, for the past week, House Speaker Tim Moore, a Kings Mountain Republican, said he would introduce the legislation. Leadership of the Republican majority Senate supported it. Let me be clear, it's parents, not politicians, who should be making these decisions for the children, Moore said in a statement on Wednesday. As other states across the county, or the country, I should say, lift man mask mandates and restrictions, North Carolina's children will not be left behind. I think people in North Carolina are wanting to see their elected representatives to pursue matters that they see important, Berger said. At this point in time, I can't think of anything that matters more than that parents of school-age children are viewed as more important getting their kids out of required mask mandates. I think it's incumbent upon us to move forward and address that issue. So indeed, the House and the Senate, both in North Carolina, have passed a bill that in essence says, parents, you get to decide. Now, uh, even though that uh, Governor Roy came out today and said we're going to end the mask mandates and encourage the North Carolina municipalities to do the same, um, I, I'm pretty confident he will uh, veto this. As an authoritarian, he loves to uh, be the Barney Fife of uh, North Carolina, <laughs> and I just don't see him saying no to that. Well, while we're on the subject of breaking news, um, out of the Carolina Journal just broke that the North Carolina Senate has approved the congressional house and senate maps i think you reported on uh yesterday maybe on tuesday night that the house north carolina house passed the maps but just now the house and the the senate has passed these maps this is not the congressional maps this is the senate map and the house map congressional house and senate maps so it is the, it is the congress yes mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so it's, it's the it's the national congressional map Yes. And the state Senate map. Uh, House Senate vote, um, hold on, <laughs> approves congressional, Senate, and House district maps. So all three. All three. Okay, yeah. all three. And that's just, that's just hit Carolina Journal. I'll, I'll reach out to some of our contacts, see if we can get some more information. We'll on see that. if you can get Jim Perry on the phone. Um, speaking of masks, uh, while the Gov finally said, okay, enough, enough with the masks, um, Leave it to Anthony Fauci. He doubled down today on CNN and said, not too soon. No, no, no. You can't take those masks off. Oh, it's much too dangerous. Highly contagious. And I mean, you still even hear some of the local people, you know, they're, they're reporting, oh, COVID is up. You know exactly what the source is. Yeah, unfortunately we do. The bottom line is it's, I, I, I understand there are a few people with comorbidities, they still have to be careful. But the vast, vast majority of the people that get Omicron, in fact, there's a bunch of people that get it and they don't even know they have it. And uh, others, it's like a cold. And there's, there is a small percentage that it's, it's a little rougher on. But um, it's, it's, you know, the number of people that are going to pass away from Omicron is it's so infant, it's so small that it's not worth even noting. But Fauci said, nonetheless, no, nah, no, nah, kids can't take the masks off. Uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I think Anthony just really loves being the authoritarian, and he loves that the money he's the making. That is the big red flag. That, yeah, it, it's not only that. I mean, he's, I mean, what to your last point, um, it's been very lucrative to him. You know, last, oh, yeah. last year he million got bucks. The, the million bucks, huh? not to mention he's the highest paid employee in the huh? United States, going to get a... What I think I read a three hundred fifty, three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars a year pension when he retires. Um, he will have the largest. I guess he's the the highest paid 
uh, federal employee in the nation, mm-hmm. and he will have the highest pension of anyone mm-hmm. in the nation. And this is a guy that has pretty much controlled all the policy making in the United States for the last couple of years. I mean, it's hard to argue that. Um, and he is a guy that's, you know, to the point of um, one of the doctors yesterday. He's, I mean, he, he's not an epidemiologist. No, he's he's a paper pusher. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a bureaucrat, lifetime bureaucrat. You know, liberalism is a mental disease, as Sadie Klaus used to say over and over again. And boy, it, it really reared its ugly head up in Chicago. A member of, and I got to be careful what I say. You might want to put your finger on the dump button because this story is full of uh, f bombs. A member of a suburban Chicago school board repeatedly cursed at a maskless man who tried to speak during a public comment portion of a meeting. This past Monday night, the man told the Glenbrook High School District 225 Board of Education that he did not want to wear a mask to speak because he couldn't articulate well enough while doing so to, uh, because of a medical reason. After a prolonged exchange, the maskless man, Mark Weiermuller, quipped that I have a mask and I can wear the mask on my head if you want. <laughs> With that... Board member Joel Taub holler back, you can wear your mask on your effing blanks. If you don't wear the effing mask, you can get the F out of here. At that point, the moderator pounded his gavel for a recess, but Taub continued with his profane rejoinder, get him the blank out of this room if he can't put the blanking mask on. Tobb's bio on the board website indicates he's in the middle of his fourth consecutive four-year term, which ends in 2023. Weiermuller, a Chicago realtor who has been publicly opposing mask mandates in area schools, confirmed Wednesday to The Blaze that Tobb was the school board uh, member cursing at him. Neither the school board nor the district nor Tobb immediately replied to The Blaze for request, who's covering this story. The school board's website indicates that the district offers a public education to over 5,000 students. Uh, The board lists uh, Glenview as its location, half hour northeast, uh, northeast, that'd be the lake, northwest of Chicago. Video of the incident shows Wire Mueller wearing a mask over his mouth as he approached the microphone, but removed it saying, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, the, the meeting moderator says, I need you to wear your mask. Wire Mueller said, should I stop my clock? I can't. President Biden and the governor of uh, Illinois both speak without a mask. And I do have an, a, an, an exemption. Will you let me speak, please? And at that point, <laughs> this guy, Tob just curses the fool out of the guy. Hmm. Well, the moderator, um, he definitely was a mask hole. Yeah. <laughs> well, so was Tom. I, I'd like to take credit for that term, but a friend of mine, Joe, which I will not say, he listens from time to time. I, I, he came up with that term, a mask hole. That's, I think it's very appropriate. I, but, I mean, th- this <laughs> this really is a mental disease. It is. Why in the world? I mean, look, bottom line is get up and leave. But, oh, my gosh, the, I mean, these people that continue to say they follow the science and they, anything but that. And, and they're making a big deal about this guy not wearing his mask while he's speaking. And, you know, on a daily basis, the White House press room is not much bigger than our studio. Here. No, it's, it's a small very room. small. Yeah. And they're packed, I mean, shoulder yeah. to shoulder. Yeah. Everyone in the audience has their mask on. And every person that's speaking the entire time whether it be Saki or someone else 
you know, never's wearing a mask. If it was so freaking important, you'd put them all behind a glass cage or yeah. something, you know. It's it's uh, symbolism without substance. But, but the you know, you talked about the uh, you know, progressives, progressivism or liberalism being a mental disorder. <laughs> and and to the mask thing, I was recently going through uh, Orange County, the town of Hillsborough. I know I like to pick on Hillsborough, but sorry if you're from Hillsborough, but you got some nutty people there. I was at the stoplight, and I looked over. Nice afternoon, beautiful outside, and you had this couple that were, you know, they're probably pretty well-heeled. They probably had good jobs. They were dressed nice. They had one child they were leading, uh, you know, a small child by hand, another child they were pushing in a stroller. Now, what? One to two, and the other one maybe five years old. The kids, these little kids, including the baby, had on freaking masks outside. <laughs> but wait a minute. They did not. Wow. They did not wear masks. So, hey, they're being great parents, Benny. Come on. You but, can't question them. But, oh, they're but great first parents. of all, I mean, they're outside in the first place. I mean, it's well documented. Masks you know, I mean, have very little effectiveness at all unless it's, I mean, really surgical type N95 masks. But outdoors, I mean, it's it's been clear for two years that, hey, there's no you know, risk of spread outdoors. But why do you think your small child in a stroller should wear a mask? Oh, I guess you're going to say, well, they're not vaccinated. Well, what difference does that make? Vaccinated people spread it just like unvaccinated people. Yep. I mean, you just can't make this mask stuff up. They're mask holes. You know, I mentioned this yesterday. Three San Francisco school board members were recalled this week, and it wasn't even close. I mean, like 70% of San Francisco voters said, you're out. And what's interesting is a lot of people are speculating this was over COVID. But uh, Nate Silver tweeted about this, saying it's sometimes underappreciated how unpopular certain liberal positions are even amongst liberals. And, you know, I really think that, uh, and I've, I've said this over and over and over again, but uh, this mask mandate and this forcing parents to fall in line and follow the Fuhrer, whatever Fauci says and whatever his underlings like uh, Roy Cooper say, you're, you know, march in lockstep. And uh, it's it's unpopular. And now they're they're reading the polling, they're seeing the numbers, and now uh, just as... Uh, I don't know if you heard the story yesterday, but Nancy Pelosi came out. She said, oh, we're, we're not for defund the police. We're not for open borders. We're not for amnesty. And, you know, the list goes on and on. And, and uh, who, was, who was the guy that was in uh, the Obama uh, campaign? The guy that— uh, Axelrod, Axelrod, David Axelrod. Axelrod yesterday came out and said, oh, yes, it's all about parents. Parents <laughs> need to make all the decisions. They're reading the polling. You know— I- Regardless of what you think about David Axelrod, David Axelrod, uh, if I was running for office and I was running Republican, I would write a big check if he would run my campaign. I mean, he's good. You got to admit, he is good. I don't believe in anything the guy. I don't think the guy believes on anything but a dollar. I mean, he, he's all about a dollar and a cent. I, I don't know. He's good, but would you want somebody that would turn turn his back on you for somebody that would pay a higher dollar well, and who would do anything? and say anything for you to win. They, <laughs> I, I don't want it that bad. I mean, when I ran for the state senate, I had people coming up to me and saying, oh, you need to do this. 
And I said, I got to sleep at night. Well, I mean, I mean, case in point, reason Donald Trump didn't use the what is it, K Street up in D.C., mm-hmm. the big fund, the lobbyists and all that, because they all will do anything for a dollar. They will turn their back on anything for a dollar. But I, I think that, I mean, he's a good message guy. Yeah, but I put him in that same him category. Him and, him and uh, what, Conway, Kellyanne Conway, they, those those two are pretty good at their business. Uh this go to break north carolina house speaker who last november i mean everybody thought that okay they're going to redraw the maps and tim moore will have an ideal district to run in and everybody thought he was going to come out and say i was going to run for congress in november after um madison cawthorn said he was going to run in this new district that that was carved out for tim moore tim moore basically said okay i'm not going to run now that everything has been switched around this new district uh, District uh, 14, uh, it looks like uh, now Tim Moore is hinting that he might run. Quote, many folks have continually asked me to consider running to represent our region of the state and Congress, Moore said. I'm honored, but I'm focused right now on getting these maps approved by the courts, fighting school mask mandates. Again, we just covered that. That passed today. And leading the House of Representatives, I will make a final decision once the maps are approved. Uh, it now sounds like the far, far west region uh, might be more to the liking of Madison Cawthorn and this 14th congressional district, um, which is uh, part of Cleveland Clown- County, includes parts of Gaston County and part of, parts of Mecklenburg County and Rutherford County. Uh, but, it, I mean, it's, com- compared to the far western district, I mean, that thing is huge. Mm-hmm. That, that's as large as uh, Greg Murphy's uh, district is in the east. Might be larger. Is Cawthorn, uh, is he from Hendersonville? I'm not sure where he's from mm-hmm. originally. But somewhere. Well, he ran for the um, seat that, um, <laughs> I'm getting old-timers disease. Walker? Uh, no, the guy that, the guy that ran uh, uh, Trump's uh, White House towards the end. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, um uh, you're as senile as I am. Who are we talking about? The guy that went up to Washington, D.C. in the Trump administration. How quickly we forget. <laughs> anyway, I'll think of it in a second. But uh, now he he won that old seat. But um, so anyway, to make a long story short, it sounds like more might be running as um, for, for Congress now in this new 14th congressional district. Um, we'll see. Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows, thank Gosh, you. We've had him on, I think, haven't we? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sitting here picturing his face in my in my mind, but I, <laughs> I can't come up with a name. Uh, we got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. By the way, we are going to play political trivia today. Got a good question, a good prize package. Your category, John Quincy Adams. Okay? Any John Quincy Adams fans out there, get ready. We'll play political trivia. Not now. In about 20 minutes. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Beautiful day in this neighborhood. Beautiful day for a First thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Gotta know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard. Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. I don't hear everywhere else. For the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news sources. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Today, February 17th, 2022, it's Random Act of Kindness Day. Maybe that's why Roy decided to uh, nix the masks. 
He also got yeah. he also got the poles delivered to him. Yeah. <laughs> Did I do that? Uh, take a quick look at your weather forecast tonight. A chance of showers after 2 a.m. Otherwise, mostly cloudy and a low of only 65. Tomorrow morning, showers mainly before noon, then cloudy, gradually becoming mostly sunny with temperatures falling to around 58 by late in the afternoon. Breezy with a southwest wind and a chance of precip in the morning, 70%. Friday night, mostly clear, low around 35. Saturday and Sunday are going to be pretty nice. Sunshine with highs in the mid to upper 50s. So all in all, sounds like a pretty good weekend coming up. Getting back to uh, Ukraine, apparently a kindergarten was struck by artillery shells in a uh, town on the Ukrainian government-controlled side of the front line of eastern Ukraine Thursday. Now, the false flag, apparently, that they're going to try to go with is Russia is going to complain that the Ukrainian government is picking on certain russians russians living in the ukrainian territory and and most of those are eastern uh eastern ukraine and putin is calling a genocide mm-hmm. the question now the new york times um said that the firing of this mortar mortar the shelling of this uh, kindergarten came from the russians but the new york times is saying but the ukrainians fired first on the russians and they're trying to the false flag in other words the impetus for russians uh, russia to come in and have a excuse that we need to do this because they're being mean to us is that uh, they are there to protect russian descendants that are living in ukraine that the Ukrainians are prejudicial against and they're picking on them and they're trying to wipe them out. <laughs> so that is that is now the excuse. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson said today the picture is very grim. We fear very much that this is a thing that we'll see more of over the next few days. US Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said uh, the shelling was troubling we said for some time that Russians might try to do something like this in order to justify a military conflict. So we'd be watching this very closely. The Ukrainian foreign minister blamed Russia for a severe violation of the ceasefire agreement. And uh, President Zelensky called it a pro- provocative shelling. Russia turned the accusation around and blamed Ukrainian for further escalation of tensions We have warned many times that excessive concentration of Ukrainian forces near the contact line, together with possible provocations, can pose terrible danger, according to the Kremlin. Um, Anthony Blinken warned that Russia's continued hostility towards Ukraine is a, quote, moment of peril and threatens global stability. Quote, as we meet today, the most immediate threat to peace and security is Russia's looming aggression against Ukraine, he told the council. Now, this was an intense U.N. Security Council meeting today. Uh, Has the U.N. Security Council ever actually been of any use in preventing a major conflict? (laughs) No. I mean, they're basically the world's middle school hall hall monitors. Mm -hmm. 
Remember when you were in middle school, you had, you know, the, the, the guy that had the real thick glasses and I'm sorry, I may, maybe I'm, I'm not picking on anybody with real thick glasses in the junior high, but you know, the, the nerds, the junior high, they wanted to be the hall monitors. <laughs> well, well, and give out the tickets if you're chewing gum. That, that's about the equivalent of the uh, United Nations Security Council. What really concerns me more about the UN Security Council is that, I mean, you just look at history. These guys are made up. Uh, when, when you go to these conflicts, you know, they're highly educated, use that term loosely, guys and, and the diplomacy efforts and that type of thing. But they all, I mean, there's so much history of UN um, corruption. And being on the wrong side of the issues. And, and between, but, but also, I mean, these guys, I mean, they make a buck or two yeah. they, oh, yeah. from some of these countries. Oh, yeah. And there has been a many of U.S. servicemen sent off to battle and died when, when they were being directed by UN people that uh, just, it's just no sense in it. Well, the Security Council is sort of worthless, but boy, the the UN military folks that they send out, you know, quote military. <laughs> that's a joke. The, the UN Security Council is about as uh, they have as about as much integrity as an International Olympic Committee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. It's it's whoever's sweetening their pockets on something or uh, I I don't trust them not one bit. It is uh, very uh discouraging, but I I I'm, I'm a little concerned, again, to what uh, Secretary Austin said, that we played that uh, clip at the beginning of the program, the bumper at the beginning of the program. You know, I, I understand we're going to protect NATO allies, but why are you bringing this up? I mean, is, do you think it's going to – I don't think – I think Putin is smart enough that he's not going to allow this to spill over into a NATO country. Uh, he wants to prevent Ukraine from becoming a NATO country because he doesn't want to fight NATO. So I'm not. Uh, but I, again, I uh, you know what the, the way Austin is talking, the way Blinken is talking, uh, I'm I'm I, f- I feel bad for the Ukrainian people, but at the same time, it is very worrisome if we're going to continue to be try to be the police of the world well you know we have um had a lot of bloodshed on soul that is not a um a national interest uh, and and not of a nato country before yeah oh yeah (laughs) i mean just look at the last 20 years 25 years um I'm, i'm like you it's uh i don't i don't like that talk and again lloyd austin I mean, he, he. I mean, he took off his uniform and put on a suit in short time frame, and he went from being a military military general to being on boards of defense company contractors and being the secretary, not secretary of state, but uh, defense uh, secretary of defense. And I, I just, uh, I don't know. I'd like, I'd like to have somebody in that position a little bit more removed from the military. Um, I hear you. Recent, you know, recent service in the military. Little little breathing room in between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're gonna take another time out. We come back. We're gonna play political trivia a little earlier than normal. But give us a call five six one eight two five five. Your category: John Quincy Adams. Got a good prize package. Give us a call five six one eight two five five. Political trivia. When we get back.
All right, welcome back in. It is time for political trivia. Your category, John Quincy Adams. Your prize package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. A gift certificate from Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a coach. A $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Mucho Bueno, real Mexican street food located in front of the Westbrook Shopping Center, U.S. 70 West in Havelock. Also a $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden. And an Ironwood gift certificate and a $100 certificate for tax services at any of the Kidwell H&R Block offices. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family has won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. First up, from Winterville, it's Donna. Hey, Donna. Hey, Donna. Hey. You ready to play? Yeah. All right. Your category is John Quincy Adams. Here's your question. John Quincy Adams served as the sixth president of the United States. What was so unusual about his presidential election? It never happened before, and it's never happened since. It wasn't, he didn't win the vote. It, it had to be decided by the House of Representatives. Wow! Wow, you're smart. <laughs> Donna, you just blew it out of the park. Everybody on hold is ticked at you right now. Yeah, uh, that was uh, February 9th, 1825. As no presidential candidate had received a majority of the electoral votes in the election of 1824. See, even, his, even her dog is excited. Donna, uh, yes. Donna, are you running around the room and spiking the football after that? <laughs> My husband was. <laughs> Congress decided to turn the presidential election over to the House of Representatives as dictated by the 12th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And uh, it was interesting. There was uh, four people in the election. Andrew Jackson got the most electoral votes, followed by Andrew uh, by John Adams, followed by uh, Secretary of State William Crawford, who had suffered a stroke before the election, and then Henry Clay. But Henry Clay and Adams made a deal and got the House of Representatives to vote for them. And uh, his whole administration, those four years, it was sort of under a cloud. But um, you got it. Well, Don, congratulations. No hints or nothing. About, no, I thought you were going to ask something about the mudslinging before the, before the election. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's nothing new. That took place way back then. But uh, yeah. uh, And there was a lot of mudslinging uh, when he ran for re-election between uh, Jackson and John Quincy Adams. Congratulations, Donna. Enjoy all those goodies we're going to get to you. Hang on the line so Clark can get all your information. And Benny and I will be right back. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Congratulations to Donna Staten down in Winterville. A mama duck. She, um, (laughs) I'm not making fun of her. That's part of her uh part of her handle let's put it that way um she she got it right right out of the gate it's not too often that they get it the the first first caller gets it but uh you're a genius girl yeah john quincy (laughs) adams sixth president and uh, only time that the house of representative representatives had to intervene and decide who's going to win you know I, i i usually test drive these questions and you know a lot of people say well you know why didn't they pick andrew jackson he got the most votes well again Adams 
went to the number four guy, Henry Clay, and said, you know, if we get together, we can go. You, you got your friends in the house. I got my friends in the house. And, you know, I will make you a part of my cabinet and uh, we'll go ahead and, and win the election. And Andrew Jackson was not happy about that. But four years later, he won it. You know, it's interesting. Could this happen again? And I think, you know, for the longest time, it was not likely to ever happen again. But as more and more people become disillusioned with the two major parties, I, you know, I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime. But, you know, unless there's a uh, getting back to the basics by the two parties, then, you know, and the Democrat Party is a lot further away from the back to the basics than the Republican Party is. But it really applies to both of them. And there's a lot of people that are conservatives that are irritated at the Republican Party, especially the establishment branch of the uh, Republican Party. And boy, there's all kinds of stories out more and more, even this week, about how many people are just totally irritated, even liberals. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about the flaming left-wing progressives, but basic liberals are just, they've just had it with uh, how far left the Democrat Party has gone. Well, we've talked about before, you know, that some of the solutions, maybe the only solution to some issues are... Um, you know, term limits, that type of thing. But then we've also talked about a convention of states may be the only solution. And, you know, we political experts always say, well, that's impossible. That'll never happen. But as you get to your point, as you get to, you know, liberal areas, liberal states, you know, fed up with this federal control, right. I, we might be closer to a convention of states than ever before. You know, there was, um, there was just a story on that last week. I think it was Nebraska had just gone through the process and uh, their, I think their House, and now it goes over to the Senate, voted to uh, call for a convention of states. And Mm -hmm. I think the number, uh, would they need two-thirds to call it? And I think Mm -hmm. they're up to like 17 or 18 states. Yep. And that's the thing. Some of these states, you know, there's some that are solid, solid blue. Um, Some are solid, solid red. But then there's some that are, um, some of these purple states, are getting more and more red and 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 you might get some some democrat leaning states that still they they still might have progressive or liberal ideas but they're just fed up with the federal part of it because uh of what's been going on the last couple of years so who knows you might see it the washington post this week is being slammed by all kinds of folks primarily folks on the right but if true liberals were honest they'd have to slam the washington post as well what am i talking about the washington post sent out a opinion piece on clarence thomas this week and uh said that clarence thomas who is the only black member of the supreme court quote the thinking clarence thomas has the thinking of a white conservative (laughs) and the headline piece jim claiborne saved Biden's candidacy and now has the president's ear on Supreme Court picks. The Post highlighted the importance of Representative Jim Clyburn's recommendation as to who the president should nominate to the nation's highest court and quoted Representative Benny Thompson. Oh, there's a (laughs) not the brightest bulb in the pack um, that a person vetted by the former wouldn't end up with, quote, end up with a Clarence Thomas. Both Clyburn and Thomas are black. 
Nobody that I'm aware of feels that opposing Clyburn's nomination would be a wise thing to do, Thompson told The Post. Quote, if you know that a person has been vetted by Jim Clyburn, you know that person won't go into the court and end up being a Clarence Thomas. Okay, Jim Clyburn was the one that vetted Joe Biden. (laughs) Yeah. The Post then made the claim about Thomas, stating that Thomas was referring to the black justice whose rulings often resemble the thinking of white conservatives. The outlet updated the piece with the following clarification. The clarification said, a previous version of this story imprecisely referred to Justice Clarence Thomas's opinions as often reflecting the thinking of white conservatives rather than conservatives broadly. That reference has been removed. Listen, I, okay, I, I, now I understand, you, you know, there's one thing to make a slip of the lip, mm-hmm. but it's another thing to sit down and have the editorial board in writing, review the editorial, put it in print, send it out, publish it. That's not a slip of the lip. No. That's something mm-hmm. that has been considered by multiple people. Mm-hmm. You had to put it in writing. You had to say, okay, and is there a better way of wording this, wordsmithing it? And the, you know what? What you wrote originally is what you meant. Yeah, that's not that's not a that's not a flip it tweet after a few drinks, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's a. I mean, I look. I several people I, had to prove that. We, we do this every day for an hour every day. I, I, I empathize with other people on the radio, whether they be left or right. You're going to say things that slip out. I mean, you're 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 live on radio. I understand that. <laughs> and there's a lot of things I've said that I have to go back and apologize for. But when you print <laughs> up something, when you write an editorial, it's a whole different story. What a racist comment. Well, yeah. But what are they saying here? If you're black, you think black. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, this goes right back to what Joe Biden, when he was on that morning talk show and said. black. Yeah. If you don't vote for (laughs) Joe Biden, if you can't tell the difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, then you ain't black. Yeah. You know, typical we've talked about before, progressive liberals. I mean, they don't see anything but color. Yep. And Washington Post, New York Post, you know, they throw on New York Post, excuse me, New York Times, Washington Post, New York Times. I mean, the, you know, they're reading from the same sheet of music, just a Democrat progressive uh, call sheet. But to your point, I mean, I mean, think about how many people reviewed this before it went out. Right. I, that just kills me the way that means that many people are thinking that same way. Yes. That many people see color and that's all they see. Yeah. Well, who was the gal? Uh, what was her name that was up on the? Uh, she was uh, on the editorial board. Oh, at New York Times of the New York Times. Yeah, and um, she finally quit. Yeah, because anything that she said, if it, if it, if she wasn't carrying the progressive liberal water, uh, you were wrong. And, and there was there was no room for dialogue. You were wrong, and, and you know, on this kind of on the same line. I mean, this is filtered in. You know, not only in news organizations, print and uh, and media, but it's also filtered in in um, corporate America, oh, Cor- yeah. corporate and institutional oh, yeah. America, as we yeah. talked about before. This week uh, was it Levi's chairman yeah. or Levi's president uh, stepped down because of uh, pretty much that. Hey, it's if they don't like your viewpoint, they demonize you. Yep. So and you know, and the corporate world, l- listen. The people that are making these decisions, the corporate world, they, I, I promise you, not a one of them 
is the original of that company. Not one of them is the original Sam Walton of whatever company no. it is. Because, I mean, it's somebody that has worked their way to the top that that didn't have to worry about enough. meeting a payroll. And, and uh, kissed enough. Yeah, kissed enough butts. <laughs> Uh, you know, while while we're on the subject, though, you know, right now, Joe Biden is, you know, all over himself saying, I am going to nominate the first black woman to be a Supreme Court justice. The Christian Post, of all publications, which they, they put some good stuff out, some thoughtful stuff out. They, they ran a piece not too long ago talking about, well, wait a minute, Joe, let's look at your history. Yeah. You were in the United States Senate for 36 years. Quite frankly, when it came to Clarence Thomas, who was only the second black on the Supreme Court, you not only voted against him, but you did everything you could. I mean, even though you put on this facade of, you know, friendly Uncle Joe, although you're at the time a lot younger than you are now, you, you put on that facade that you're going to be kind to, to uh, Clarence Thomas. But it was so bad. The, the, and remember, Joe Biden was the chair of that committee. It was so bad when they brought in Anita Hill. You know, it, pretty much everything was done. And at the last moment, ah, oh, we've got the star witness, Anita Hill. Mm-hmm. And Joe brought her in and l- let her say whatever she wanted to do. When they brought Clarence Thomas back, and remember, Clarence Thomas— they, uh, who was who was the uh, Hef, Heflin? Was that the guy's name? The old guy that was uh, anyway. He was an old Democrat from somewhere in the South. I think his name was last name was Heflin. He he asked he asked Clarence Thomas, "Well, what did you think about Anita Hill's testimony?" He said, "I don't know. I didn't listen to it." He said, "I'm not going to listen to a bunch of lies," <laughs> which just blew the case for the Democrats. They didn't know what to do with that. But remember what Clarence Thomas said. Uh, towards the end of that hearing, he said, and I quote, this is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it's a high tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way dare to think for themselves. You hear that Washington Post and do for themselves to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. Uh, that was one of the most powerful comments <clears throat> towards a hearing e- ever. And, um, but that, that was just one. So Joe d- did voted against Biden. Uh, uh, Joe voted against Clarence Thomas. Uh, but that was just one example the uh, President George W. Bush nominated Miguel Estrada, a Hispanic American, to serve on the U.S. Court of Appeals with Democrats in control of the Senate for most of Bush's uh, time in office. Estrada was never confirmed to the bench because the Senate repeatedly failed to end debate on his nomination by invoking cloture, a process that required 60 votes at the time. And all seven failed attempts to invoke cloture on the Estrada nomination Biden voted against invoking cloture. So guess what? This this guy would have been the first Hispanic American to serve mm-hmm. on the court. Biden voted against it. Now, right now, Joe's making a big deal 
that he is going to put up the first black woman to the United States Supreme Court. President George W. Bush nominated Janice Rogers Brown, an African-American woman, to serve on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia in 2003. As with Estrada, the Senate failed to invoke cloture on Brown's nomination, with Biden joining nearly all Democrats in imposing her confirmation. The Republicans increased their majority in the Senate following the 2004 election, and Bush renominated Brown for the same post in 2005. When the Senate voted to confirm Brown in 2005, Biden joined nearly all other Democrats in opposing her nomination. In the cloture vote that occurred immediately before Brown's confirmation vote, Biden was one of the 32 senators who voted ending debate on her nomination. This wasn't even to the Supreme Court, so race and gender, they only count if you're thought to be a committed judicial activist, judicial leftist. Uh, This is, and I point this out because this dog and pony show (laughs) that that, uh, Joe wants to basically let you think that, you know, Republicans would never would never nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. It has, you know, it's up to me to fulfill this. Um, had Justice Janice Rogers Brown been put there earlier on, uh, you know, she very well might have been oh, yeah. the first Supreme Court justice. And, and, you know, to your point, Joe Biden has a, I mean, he has a 50 year career of really never supporting anything other than white males for anything. And yep. he's got a Senate career that's yep. just full of that type of stuff. Yep. The, the, um, in the Clarence Thomas hearings in 91, that was, you, man, you're spot on. Senator Howell Heflin from Alabama yeah. is uh, the one that had that exchange with Thomas. So I can remember Hal Heflin from 1991. Was it 91 or 90? It's 91. 90, well, 91. No, it, was, I it was probably like 96, wasn't it? 90, no, it probably no, was 91. 91. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Under Bush. So I can remember Hal Heflin, but I can't remember Mark Meadows. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what you had for lunch, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's uh, a term for that, I'm afraid, but anyway. <laughs> An old goat? Is that uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign officials have been noticeably silent following, uh, following the filing of special counsel John Durham, who claimed that technology executive access servers belonging to Trump Tower, the White House, and Trump's uh, former uh, residence up in New York. Clinton's 2016 National Press Secretary, Brian Fallon, declined to comment on the latest filing. Top Clinton campaign advisors, Shuma Abedin, Cheryl Mills, Nick Merrill, Robbie Mook, and longtime Clinton aide Philippe Rains did not respond to Fox News for uh, their thoughts. Uh, it's mm-hmm. quiet. Yeah, well, quiet. It's, it's, it's rather curious that uh, they're not coming to defend her. I mean, here's the thing. Why? You have to ask yourself, why wouldn't they come and defend her? And uh, chances are they don't want to be anywhere near this thing. <laughs> Look, you, you know, you know, they're just sitting waiting for that. Oh, yeah. And a subpoena, a subpoena to be thrown right. in front of them. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, I know nothing. Yeah. There, there's no way they're going to uh, come in and uh, back up the Hill to Beast on this one. I'm uh, sorry. Hillary, you're on your own. Sorry, Toots. Uh, and again, as I mentioned yesterday, what does she say when uh, she tweeted? Basically, she, she doubled down accusing Trump of being this guy full of issues and problems oh yeah 
Yeah, his, his issues and problems <laughs> were invented by the campaign of Hillary Clinton. But you you know why former President Bill Clinton's Flick Willie is being quiet about it? He's like, yes, she gets out of the house for a while. <laughs> Call yeah, her in for like five hearings. to ten. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks for being with us. Congratulations again to Don, Donna Staten from uh, Winterville, our political trivia winner. We'll do it again tomorrow at five. See you then, everybody. Bye-bye. All right, all right, all right.